0: Welcome to our monthly book chat. I'm Cheryl Arkell. And I'm Caroline Overington. And I love
1: nothing more than having a chat about books. And so does Cheryl. So we thought we would share that conversation with
0: you. Once a month, we'll discuss book and industry news, authors, and the books you should be reading, and maybe just a little bit of gossip. Caroline Overington, hello,
1: Hello and welcome back to you. Look at you. You are radiating
0: good health. <laughs> Thank you. I had a shocking couple of weeks as you know, but I'm back. Well, you uh, look fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. So I think that this means that maybe you were under the weather for a while and didn't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, I think I was sick for a long time. But anyway, I'm going to I'm gonna do a shout out to the people at RPA, Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, the nurses, the doctors, second to none. Honestly, best care, best experience. I
1: don't know how much you remember about being in hospital those early days but terrible. you were flirting with those nurses Was
0: <laughs> I? <laughs> <What's that? laughs>
1: my sister there did was say. that one lady do you remember she was getting married <laughs> yes, yes I loved her she was delightful and you were yes you would like so also one day I came in and I had uh, chocolate eclairs for you that I got from the <laughs> French bakery in Bondi and I was so delighted because you were lying in the bed and you looked terrible and you were all pale mm. and you said actually I can't even eat those because I'm nil by mouth I oh. might have have to have an operation. And I thought, oh good, I'm going to get to to eat the chocolate eclairs. But then... Of course, Cheryl, you being you, said, I'll make sure I give them to the nurses. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And, and I, I gave them like, to the oh,
0: nurses. oh, no. Oh, I am telling you, those nurses, truly, they deserve awards, you know, every single day. They were just so fantastic. Um, but anyway, I've lived to tell the tale. Well, right? you look fabulous. Thank You're, you. Your
1: skin is glowing. Your yeah. eyes are bright. Your <laughs> smile is
0: wide. It is. I feel really lucky. I feel that, you know, I dodged a bullet in a way. But anyway, and I'm here... Talking to you, fabulous. We're back. First day back. First day back. So let's start with the Vogel Awards.
1: The Vogel Prize. Now you know, and and some of your listeners will also know Mm. that the Vogel Prize is the oldest, and also the most prestigious award for young writers. It's been
0: there my whole career. It's been yeah. Yeah.
1: It's more than forty years now, and the it's unique Mm. in its way because. It's the only prize, I think, where you get a book. Like mm. if you win, the very next day you get your book in your hands but also on mm. on the shelves and mm. you get invited around to literary festivals. So I was a judge this year and the winning book is a title called Immaculate and they've done a wonderful job with the cover. Of course, yeah. Alan and I won't the book yeah. with the wedding ring on the cover. And the winner, Anna McGann, I didn't know when we – Plucked her entry out, her, to be honest, her entry jumped out. The, all the shortlisted authors were really good, but hers leapt above the pack. It was it was outstanding, really. And I didn't know when I started reading it until much later, actually, that she is related to Andrew McGann. And, Praise, right? Andrew McGann wrote "Praise," which won the vocal, I think, in 1991. It was also his first book, oh. and she was, and then it became that. Uh, movie, which yes. many many people loved. It was grungy. Mm. It was it was that it was gr- it was probably the first example of grunge lit
0: in Do Australia. You know, I remember reading it in manuscript, and I was living in Melbourne at the time. And I was on a tram, and I missed my stop, and it just kept going because I couldn't put it down. But what was so interesting for me at the time is there weren't Australian books that. Like that.
1: They weren't, and, and in his particular family. Yeah. So, Andrew, I think, was one of 10 children. Oh, wow. And they're, fr- they're out of Dolby in Queensland. So, a big Catholic family, very conservative. And when he wrote praise, what was amazing, I think, was the way the community embraced him because I don't know how much your listeners will remember but he refused to do any press. Mm. He wouldn't do interviews. No. He <laughs> was very no, ornery. I don't think I ever met him. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, was very ornery about the whole thing. And I think the family was a, a bit taken aback by the subject matter of the book because it was so grungy and drug use and so on. And yet Magnificent, mm. and there's a lot of. And when I spoke to Anna, the winner of this year's Vocal Prize. She said she was only seven when Praise came out, oh, wow. and she wasn't allowed to read it. Like it was mm. not the kind of book that you could mm. give a seven-year-old. But she was inspired definitely by not. the. No, definitely not. But she was inspired by the idea that you could get away with telling some really hard truths if you mm. if you presented the ideas brilliantly. Mm. And she said, really, from that day, I've been conscious of the Vogel, and of course wanting to enter not not thinking of course one day i'm going to win it but wanting to enter it mm. and so there's that kind of legacy now between the two of them because of course Andrew's died he mm. was only 52 when mm. he died of pancreatic mm. cancer mm.
0: Um, with the Vogel, now let's say this too, because I remember thinking, oh, that's a nice name for an award, but it is actually the Vogel Bread Cereal so Company. So when you were
1: little, did your mum make you eat that bread with all the funny seeds Absolutely. in it? Absolutely. And I loved it.
0: <laughs> I really, for I think I was having Vogel toast for years and years and years. Exactly. I really liked it. Well,
1: the Vogel Bread Company is actually Australian. It doesn't sound Australian, but it is. So what happened was uh, a family came out from Europe and they started this kind of nutritious bread using the recipe of a doctor vocal who is based in Europe. But ah. they are Australians. And they have always loved literature. And because they made a huge success of their lives in Australia, they wanted to give back, which is why they started the Vocal Prize, because it's a it's a matchup of their loves, mm. which is literature and uh, young Success and The Australian Community. So they sponsor it with us at The Australian and Alan and I'm when the publisher, so it's like a three-way thing and they've been doing it now for more than 40 years. Yeah. And the family always read the book and it was so much fun speaking to them because they said, you know... We don't love them all the same amount. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Because as you can imagine over yes. 40 years, like Kate Grenville has won the yes. vocal. Yeah, Tim yeah. Winton has won Tom it. Tom Keneally I, I think Oh, no, been. I think it's before him. Oh, I think before, it's before him. him. But yeah. Mandy Sayer definitely, Gillian right. Mears definitely. Yeah. And so I guess there's that sense of some years you will really love The Winner and other years it'll just not be for you. Not yeah. that it's bad, but it's just not your kind of book
0: as it no, were. No, that's right. So it's really interesting to talk to the family. and, and is They the, should
1: be proud of that,
0: I oh, think. Oh, absolutely. And are they still Australian-owned? yes. Is it oh, still yes. owned oh, by yes. the family? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's fantastic. And they,
1: we often, this year we didn't have a lunch. There were various c- c- um, confusions with the timetables, but we often have a lunch and they'll all come, which oh, is wow. fun. And they
0: love to meet the author <laughs> yeah. and it's so nice. It's oh, one of really those love lovely literary story. events. Well, I've, um, outside of uh, getting well, I've done a few things in the last couple of weeks, and one of them was speak to James Comey, because you know I love American politics. You do. (laughs) And I was thrilled. Actually, when I was in bed in the hospital, and I think I was, what are those painkillers that I was on? Those really strong. I think you were on Endony. Yes, I was. And, um, but I got a text from Andy Palmer, our good friend, saying, would you like to interview James Comey? And I was so – that really was a shining light that day.
1: And (laughs) And because he hasn't written about his time – uh, working as a prosecutor in the Trump administ- under the Trump administration, it's a novel, isn't it? It's a novel. It's yeah, a novel. And I read
0: it and I loved it. Actually. And what did
1: he say to you about that? Why did he decide to write a novel and not like a
0: history of his? Because he was involved in some amazing moments. So he has written two nonfiction books about the Hillary incident, and and I think that there is some nonfiction around um, his time with Trump. Uh, people kept saying to me he won't answer the questions because he's one of those people, you know, like politicians, trained, are, yeah, trained. trained. not to answer but them. That wasn't true. Right. He answered everything and I had a list of questions for him. But he's written fiction about his time when he was a prosecutor and he was prosecuting the mafia. The mob in New yeah, York. In yeah, a, and that was really interesting. So, so people know from thriller. the Godfather kind yeah, of era. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and this is a thriller about that. But what's really interview, interesting is his daughter. He talks about a, a particular um, rooms that they were in and his daughter, she worked on the case with Ghislaine Maxwell and she was one of the prosecutors Was she?
1: On that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so. It's actually Maureen. gone
0: through the family now. Yes. Uh, well, I don't. He's got three daughters. I don't know if they're all in in the law, but anyway, he was incredibly interesting. He answered all my questions. He's got a female protagonist. It reads really well. And he said this is the beginning for fiction for him. Is that right? So he yeah. loved the process as well? He loved well. the process. His wife apparently read as he was going and helped and, you know, planted seeds and gave him some ideas. But, yeah, yeah, I think he's done well. And is that book, I think it's almost out or is it out already now? It's out already. It's out already? Yeah, yeah. Can...
1: Is it called Central Park West? It is called.
0: Gosh, you've got a great memory.
1: No, it just came, popped into my head like because I remember thinking to myself, I don't know what that's called.
0: Yeah, um, so the Miles Franklin's coming up now. I've got to be honest; I was distracted, so I'm not across this. Are you?
1: Well, look, I Hopeless thought Kingdom. I thought there wasn't a huge amount on the list this year. I'm impressed with the shortlist because, of course, they're culling as they go. Yeah. Now, Hopeless Kingdom—that is a Sudanese Australian writer, right—and it's her first book. I think, in fact. There are five first time
0: listings. Oh, wow. Fantastic.
1: In the six. And there's also, did you notice, five women?
0: No, I haven't. I, so, I haven't. Five so of the six are women. There's the Loss by Robbie Arnott. Who That's I saw. the only man. That's yeah, the only okay. man.
1: And he's been shortlisted once before, so he's the only person on the list who has been shortlisted before. Okay. Now he's Cold a Tasmanian enough. writer, Robbie. Yes. And that he book is. actually won the Age Book of the Year as well. So it's just the last couple of days. I don't know if you know Robbie, but he's he's incredibly cute. He's got this curly, these massive of curly dark hair all over his head. He's just a delightful looking looking creature. At Like a little forest creature out of Tasmania, actually. He's delightful. I remember I met him last year at the Miles Franklin. I think you were there. No, did I do not Did we go to the shortlist
0: together? No, I don't think I we was We don't heard. think we did? No.
1: Anyway, I think that's where I met him last time. And um, his book, just in the last couple of days, I've noticed gaining some real traction. Like, mm. you know how sometimes you start seeing people on Instagram saying, oh, my goodness, I just picked up this book. It mm-hmm. just seems to be getting a bit of
0: traction. I think I've noticed that with
1: him. Yeah. I haven't read it, it's, but it's I have noticed. It's been a noticed. slow burn, yes. but it's finally with us. Now, Cold Enough for Snow won a major prize earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and remember what it is. Um, Jessica Ardner. It's a tiny little book. It's out of Girimondo. And it's about a mum and her da- a mum and a daughter who go back to Japan for a visit, and it's about the sort of tense relationship between them, but also the loving relationship between them. Oh, lovely! Them. It is. Uh, I really liked it, and I know that it was named as one of uh, the New Yorkers, I think, top books of the year, oh, wow. which is lovely. astonishing for an Australian book. Chai Time at Cinnamon Gardens. Shankari is a wonderful, wonderful writer. She's out of Canberra. She is of Sri Lankan background, and this is her second novel. And I know that... the idea of putting Sri Lanka into literature is really important to her because we have a big Sri Lankan community in yeah. Australia. We don't, yeah, we, we don't do. see yeah. enough of them, but yeah. we d- we definitely do have a very strong one, and they're culturally alive in terms of their food and their dance and other things. But I think in literature, it's good to see, mm. you know, Sh- Shankari making some inroads there. The lovers I have not myself read, but I know people have read it. Have
0: you read it? No, no, I've, I'm not across any of these at the moment. So
1: again, an Ultimo Press book, and you know, uh, you and. And I both know that Ultimo Press is a small publisher, tiny. about 12 or 20 titles a year, not many, just a tiny little handful. So it's great to see them in the list as well. Well, they're in there twice. They're in there they? twice, I yeah. believe, yeah. yeah. And then you've also got um, Iris, which is the Fiona Kelly McGregor, which I think is set in the 1920s,
0: is it? Mm. I think that's right. Mm. I've seen this on a few lists. In
1: Sydney, big fat book, yeah. massive, big fat yeah. book. So. I mean, nobody likes to predict. I mean, I would have thought that Robbie Arnott has a really good shot and I think that Iris probably has a really good shot too. Then again, it's going to be hard to go past Jessica Au cold enough for snow because it's gathering so much attention overseas. So clearly it has momentum as well. You're not on the judging panel? No, no. um, But I'm interested in Observer in the Miles Franklin because, of course, Stella Miles Franklin, My Brilliant Career, was such an important book for Mm. many of us. And the Stella Prize, also named for Miles Franklin, has come up behind the Miles Franklin and really yes. knocked it off its pedestal. It, it used has, to be indeed. the only prize you wanted to win. Well, people say, well, the Miles Franklin is still the only prize everyone can enter because the Stella is only open to women. Um, but nonetheless, the Stella has done astonishing work in promoting Australian writers, And in such short time. In yeah. su- it's, really, it's only 10 years old.
0: Mm. Amazing. Is that right? Gosh, mm. I remember when it was launched. So have you read Yellow Face? I
1: haven't, but I see you've got a copy there in
0: front yeah, of you. What well, a great
1: cover. What a great cover. Just so, a set of
0: eyes. Yeah, so it's racing up the charts everywhere. It's, no, it's number one on the Sunday Times and New York Times bestselling book. And everyone's talking about it because it is set in the publishing industry. And it's talking about diversity, discrimination, uh, all I sorts of I things. I think I know a bit
1: about it. I yes. think, is it the one where uh, somebody writes a manuscript and then dies? <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, very early. Yeah. <laughs> and then dies. And then, so someone else pretends it's her work, but she's not, in fact, Asian. So mm. she's passing. Mm-hmm. Is that
0: the idea? I think that's the idea. Right. I think I'm it's a brilliant it. idea. Yeah, I think I'm going to read it tonight. I can't wait. So, yeah, so that's, I, I do love, and, and, and I'm sure you're the same, love to see an Australian book up there on the uh, New York Times bestseller. Oh, my list. God. It's always
1: so exciting when yeah, you see is. somebody burst out yeah, of the pack, it is. isn't
0: it? You know what I also um, find exciting? And this happened when I was reading the James Cohn. Book is when Australia gets a mention. And oh, how talks, does it? We, how do we yeah, get a yeah, mention. We get a mention. It's a whole page, and he's talking about the tall poppy syndrome. And he said the idea came from Australia. Is that right? Yes. And then I spoke to him about it on the podcast, and he said that's exactly right. That's how he heard about it. Isn't
1: that funny? Yeah. I, have,
0: I didn't know that that was an Australian saying. It is very much so because I do think that we have tall poppy syndrome. Here, of course, we do. In the do. US, they don't.
1: They don't know what you're talking about. They don't no. know what you're talking about. No, no. They, and also, they it, celebrate achievement. They exactly. celebrate. And they success. think
0: everybody, you
1: know, that yeah, whole should notion, shine their light.
0: That's yeah. right. And they think the whole notion that everybody could be anybody and everybody could be the president. I mean, it's not quite true, but it's true-ish though. True-ish, like Clinton I guess. came out of a little log cabin, didn't he? And oh well, and there's Barack Obama. And, Ab- and Obama but did too. But you need to kind of, you know, in the end, have a whole lot of money.
1: And even Ronald Reagan was like, you know, an actor. His mm. family were not. I mean, they weren't poor,
0: mm. but they weren't. Um, they you know, they had weren't the establishment. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Whereas the Kennedys were, of course, the Camelots. And then I was watching something the other night. It was a German television series. It was fantastic on Netflix, if you like subtitles too, I mean, which I, I'm very drawn to subtitles. I don't know why. But anyway... Yeah, because the, we can't one, hear anything <laughs> anymore. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's an aging. But one of the threads for the story is that their, their daughter, all she wants is to go to Australia. Oh, okay. And that's in a German Netflix thriller. And I love it. It always excites me.
1: Well, we're talking in the middle of winter in Sydney, and I have to tell you, I got up um, this morning, went down to Bronte Beach, and I just thought, oh, Sydney, give it a rest. It's never looked more beautiful, it's has gorgeous. it? It's just the sky. I've not yeah. seen a blue like that. Yeah. Impossible and
0: com- to describe the blue. The combination of, you know, sunshine and cold and is really lovely. The
1: crisp air, and the whales are out on the superhighway. Oh. So you're standing out there, and there's just one whale after another lazily yeah. making its way up to Byron Bay. And I just thought, that, you know, like if this was anywhere else, if this was the Amalfi Coast, there would be nine million people mm. here. But it was mm. just me, an old lady, and her dog. <laughs> I'm often
0: in the park on my own. It's you know? astonishing. It is, it really we are is. so
1: blessed. We are, we are so because apparently
0: so I read somewhere uh, something this morning in Italy, in Rome. Apparently, there's so many people it's in packed. Rome. It's awful. Yeah, yeah you have you kind of shuffling along through the streets mm. of Venice,
1: you know, packed in like sardines, yeah. and that's not fun, is it's it? It's not
0: fun. No, and when it's hot and
1: awful. Okay, so what have you been reading? You know what's landed on my desk? The new Kate Grenville. Oh wow I know lovely. a lot of your listeners love Kate Grenville we and I love do too. Yeah. I think it's based on her grandmother. Oh wow! I think okay. it's based on yeah. a true story. She is going to write a piece. In fact, she's in. The, I think she's just completed writing an essay for us, oh, wow. which we're going to publish in the review section of the Australian about why she was entranced by this story. It's kind of lived in her family history for a mm. long time, mm. and why she wanted to flesh it out. So mm. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm also reading. <laughs> of course, I am. I'm reading the new. It, how do you say J.M.
0: Kurtsey? It's J.M. Kurtsey. Kurtsey. It's I South think. African, isn't yes, it? It's Afrikaans. I sat next to him once. It was the Adelaide Writers' Festival many, many years ago. And he was right there, and I thought, oh, this is, you know, I mean, it's so exciting. And we got into some conversation, and he said that the people he loathed the most in life were marketing people. Oh. And at the time, I was the market, head of marketing <laughs> ah. at Random House. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. and so what did you do say? Do I say? I, I, I just I press win. the buttons
0: in an elevator. That's <laughs> yes, what I do. That's right. I don't know why I'm sitting next to you. I don't work that's in marketing at fabulous. all. Fabulous. Yeah, that's what he said. Well,
1: I mean. <laughs> Uh, his new book is called *The Pole*, P-O-L-E. Yeah, he lives and in Adelaide. Doesn't he does. He lives yeah. in Adelaide, and he's obviously a Nobel Prize winner. Price. So he's the first person to win the Booker Prize twice.
0: Okay. Peter Carey's
1: won. Twice. He has, and he also um, he also won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Oh wow! So right. he's he's really um, an astonishing uh, performer. Mm. When I saw the title, The Pole, a P O L E, I thought Pole was stripper pole. I don't know, I didn't. Yeah. Know. But it's actually about a Polish person. So uh-huh. the idea is it's short stories, but the first one takes up, I reckon, two thirds of the book, and it's called The Pole. And the idea is a woman is working, oh, my goodness, in marketing. Oh, no, I just realised. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, she's in marketing and a a classical pianist is coming to town. It's set in Europe. And she has to, you know how sometimes you have to host the visiting artist? So she has to take him out for dinner and make sure that he's fine and does he want to have a drink afterwards? Yeah, that's her role. So he falls madly, insanely, totally in love with her on sight. Oh. and she's married and the marriage is okay. I mean, it's not brilliant. They're sleeping in separate beds, but she's not looking. She's at her 50s. She's not yeah. looking for anyone else. But this sort of ageing pianist with this long-flowing hair, this long-flowing grey hair, falls madly with her. It's mesmerising, Cheryl. It. How interesting that the protagonist is a marketer because now I'm not going to tell you what happens, yeah. but that's so interesting. I'm going to take that home tonight That's too. so interesting. It's okay. such a lovely yeah, book, yeah. but also... I mean, his use of language is just astonishing. We've talked about this before, how you know, when you strip away everything Mm -hmm. else and all you're left with is looking, it's like looking through a sheet of glass. Mm -hmm. You can see him with his light, leonine hair, Mm -hmm. playing the piano while she's, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at her watch Mm -hmm. because she really wants to go home. But Mm -hmm. she has to, everything is so beautifully clear. Do you know,
0: I talk about this um, quite a bit on our podcast, but the ageing author, you know, like Paul Oster comes to mind, you know, um, New York Stories was the book. And then, you know, years later, I'm seeing him, I think again, I was at the Adelaide Writers Festival, a different time, uh, talking about being a grandfather and writing short stories about that. And it's so interesting, isn't it? And Kurtzier would be the same, you know. He'd that have to be pers- in his 70s, maybe yeah, even the his 80s. the perspective of storytelling changes I mean, uh, from where you sit.
1: You that's know? right. And the last couple of weeks have been difficult because sometimes I think I don't write reviews for The Australian. I wrote obituaries for The Australian mm. because the truth of it is, as you just said, mm. by the time you get to the point where everybody knows who you are and your work is being lauded around the world and you're a well-established, well-loved writer, you are in your 80s. -hmm. And, of course, we lost Cormac McCarthy, Mm -hmm. which was devastating. Mm -hmm. He really was the grand Mm -hmm. old man of Mm -hmm. American letters.
0: And Martin Amos, Mm -hmm. who wasn't even old, Mm -hmm. he was only 73. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're losing quite a few, aren't we? Okay, um, I want to talk about wifedom. Yeah, okay, the Anna Funda. The Anna Funda, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love her a lot. Yes, do. too. Have you met her? Yeah, I I have. I only met her for
1: the first time this year. Mm. And I'm one of those people who thought I was a bit intimidated because she's Mm. so, I mean, physically she's very beautiful. Mm. Gorgeous. And she's had an amazing success in New York and London and Sydney and I thought I'm going to be a bit intimidated by her. She's the most natural, down-to-earth, friendly, warm, generous, kind, talented – I I said to her, would you like to come out for lunch? And I invited some other literary types that I thought might be interesting to her. You could see how hard I was trying, right? <laughs> I invited our chief literary critic along and the former literary editor whatever. I shouldn't have worried. She mm. she can talk to anyone. Mm. She's a happy person. Mm. She's, She's a, a brilliant writer. and an, an absolute gem. This can book. I
0: tell you, and I was only telling this story earlier today, when COVID hit, I had to start recording podcasts at home on Zoom and I was hopeless at the technology. Everyone, not just yeah, you. Yeah, and um, my first person was... Um, uh, Baird. Uh, what's her Julia name? Baird. Julia Baird. Oh, she's delightful. Yes. Delightful. But I had a great conversation with her and I hadn't pressed record. Uh-huh. And she was so fantastic. we just seamlessly, I, I was mortified. I think I wanted to cry, but she didn't give me time to cry because she's like, yeah. you put it behind you and you keep going. And let's go. The same happened with Anna Funder. She's like, okay, well, let's just keep going. Now I'm not going to say his name, But the next time that I did it, which was months and months later, it was a male author and it was only within five minutes that I forgot five minutes. Whereas with the two women, it was the entire podcast. With him, it was five minutes and he got up on Zoom and left. He did not. He did so. Without doing the interview. He came back in the end, but that was his response to me not pressing record in the first five minutes. Yet these two women- What a prima donna. Yeah. These two women took it in their stride and I thought then you and a funder is a, a person that I'd like to know. Anyway, and then months later- The business, Better Eating, needed a reference. We were putting in for a call application to fund First Nation writing. And I said, can you just give me a few lines on just the experience that you've had with us two pages later, the most beautiful written letter. And I just thought, wow, love a generous soul. I haven't read this book. I can't wait. Do you know what it's based on? I do. So so I've read it actually. I'm very lucky because I got an advanced copy.
1: So George Eliot had a first wife, Mm -hmm. Eileen. And some years back, a few years back, a trove of her letters were found, and they were found in the most weird place. Like it was like in the, I'm not going to get the details quite right, but it was like the nephew of the house next door to where they lived. When they, you know, it was like mm. bizarre. Yeah. And the idea that these letters had turned up was astonishing. So what Anna has done is she's used these letters from from Eliot's wife to build a story about what it was like to be married to the author of 1984 mm. and Animal Farm and all mm. these amazing works because it's quite clear that she had a lot to do with not just propping him up but also assisting him Mm. you know when when he was fighting on the front and she was working in the same office and protecting him and protecting his legacy protecting his creative life protecting Mm. the time that he needed to write but also I think quite a lot to do with the the manuscripts themselves Mm, Of I Absolutely George loved Orwell. it. Yeah, George Orwell. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got, no, I think you said Elliot. I said I'm Elliot thinking, in my yeah. excitement. Um, I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved mm. it. I thought she has done such an amazing job, and it's very difficult territory to wander into mm. because there have been so many biographies of George Orwell and there mm. have been so many people and there still are who consider themselves the experts in this area because, you know, he died young, he produced such incredible works and everybody wants to think that they are the one who yeah. know he, yeah. him and his life. Mm. Anna has peeled back a layer of his life that I knew nothing about. Mm. She has exposed him and his work to to new thoughts in my mind that I never would have imagined. And Mm -hmm. that, I think, is the beauty of the work. Yeah, can't wait.
0: We're out of time, lovely. What a shame. Right. But listen, you must be doing well because you've listened to me rabbit on oh, and you're still I smiling I'm so. so, I'm so happy to be back and I'm so happy. We are so happy to have you back. To be chatting with you. And you've got colour in your face. <laughs> and, you're, and you have a big smile on your this face. This is audio so people can't see no, the colour. True, but but you take you know, it from me. Take Carolyn's word. Okay, until next time, lovely. Bye. Bye. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.